The Book Guys Show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is The Book Guys Show, and I am Paul Elvis, also known sometimes as The Book Guy, and I'm joined uh, this week by Jim Phillips. How Good you doing? evening, sir. How are you? Very well, sir. And uh, Chris, The Book Guy, Jager. Chris, The Book Guy. Not just The Book Guy, but Chris, The Book Guy, <laughs> back in the saddle. How you doing? Much and better after last week, thanks. Good, good. Glad to hear you're feeling well. And Sir Jimmy is here as well. How you doing, Sir Jimmy? Doing well. The chat room liege. He is in the chat room <laughs> waiting to talk to folks. Yes, sir. Gentlemen, big, uh, a little bit of an earthquake in, in the, the textbook industry this week. And maybe we'll talk about it later in book news. Um, a little bit of a shakeup going on. And I have some firsthand experience to talk about uh, that uh, application. Uh, have been using it uh, for the last two days, uh, the iBooks authors, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, I believe, Chris, you just finished... Fiction. 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 11-22-63 by Stephen King. It's been, uh, been a long time coming. Heavy book. Yes. Uh, I got <laughs> about 90% of the way through it and then had to pick up and uh, move my life to a different city, start a new job. So things got, kind of got put by the side. Did manage to finish it this week. Paul, I know that you talked about it. Uh, oh, it's got to be, what, six weeks ago? Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's talk about it again now. It was... Uh, let me ask you this first off, before you know, we do all the little plot synopsis for our, for our listeners, but if, if this had been King's first book, do you think it would have been such a hit? Do you think we would have thought of King as such a fantastic author? Um, if, if it had been his first book, I, I don't think uh, it would have been uh, picked up first off by a publisher because it's too big. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, and uh, maybe he, he, his editor would not allow him to have been so long-winded. <laughs> Just put it that way. <laughs> there, was, there was some filler in there that could have been removed, but you know, when you get to King's stature, uh, the this editor bows down to you, right? King's stature. He's got uh, – we're giving him a lot of latitude with this book. But for, for saying all that um, – it was a very, very entertaining read. Uh, Jim, uh, and uh, we got uh, both Jims on the line, or yeah, Sir Jim uh, repaired yeah, to the Jim uh, and Sir Jim. room? Yeah, both of them. I am here, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah both Jims. Excellent. Are both of you guys Stephen King fans? No. No, categorically. <laughs> categorically. No. Okay. Now, I like the stand, but I hate scary clowns. Right. Okay. <laughs> Unless they're selling meat, Jimmy. Oh yeah, there's an emergency. Thirty-three cents off. <laughs> there's an emergency broadcast system inside joke. <laughs> uh, going back a few episodes, I'm uh, I'm I've read very very little of Stephen King stuff. Uh, in fact, I think probably only the Dead Zone, and that was when I was a teenager. So this was my actual first exposure uh, to Stephen King. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's uh, it's easy. It's certainly not. It's easy writing, easy reading. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, it's not full of you know crazy metaphors. It's not full of uh, deep meaning. It's certainly not poetic by any stretch of the imagination. It's just straight ahead storytelling, which I can really appreciate. Yeah, it's it's um, definitely just a st- straightforward. Uh, yeah, like you said, so f- uh, fiction storytelling. Straight ahead storytelling, but what a topic! <laughs> uh, time travel and uh, a love story. Uh, I asked you, Paul, way back, you know, what was it, you know, murder, mystery, fil- you know, film noir, what, what? Right. And you said, no, no, it was Boy Meets Girl. Absolutely right. It's a Boy Meets Girl. Yeah. It's, you know, what, what, what would you do, you know, in that situation? And, and there's the girl that you like and, you know. 
so the the, the rough rough plot synopsis without uh, giving too much away uh, for our listeners uh man makes a friend who introduces him to a little porthole in time that takes him back to 1958 uh Really, the book, okay, fine, it's a love story, but I think what really inspired King to write the book was, first of all, his relationship with, the, with America in the 60s. Uh, the book is a meditation on what life was like then and what life is like now. I mean, you can, you can come up with an argument and say, well, you know, things were crappy for, for women and, and, and African Americans in the 60s and, you know, things are way better now. Uh, but that's... You know, that's argument. What what King did here was an actual, I think, meditation on the '60s. What was good? What was bad? What was life like? And it's strictly speaking, America. Even I, I think that was the most entertaining part of the the novel. Absolutely, actually. Yeah. absolutely. Was this just this just meditation on what it was like to be an American in the '60s? And that really coalesced around, I think, uh, Kennedy's assassination for his generation. You know, I. I can speak for myself. I can speak for Paul. I can probably speak for Jim and Jim that uh, you guys don't remember that uh, at all. <laughs> Got to say no. Got to uh, say yeah, no. Yeah, that'd be correct. <laughs> that would be correct. <laughs> so, I mean, the impact of it was uh, was was phenomenal. Yeah, and that that really comes across in the in the book as well. If the, if the same novel is written, you know, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, uh, with a different uh, focal point in history, for us, I think it would probably be uh, September 11th. I don't know that you could. Well, it's, right. it's the one event that I know that yeah, I know, no, everyone I, I, knows I, where they were, kind of yes. like uh, JFK, right? Yeah, yeah, I follow what you're saying, but um, this was a like I don't think that you can pick a like a like so much pivoted in just in the United States. Like the United States sort of lost its innocence uh, in that moment, and the the 9/11 was you know far more catastrophic and had a much wider impact uh, globally than than this assassination, but. Um, I think that with this assassination, the, the U.S. U.S. citizens in general sort of had to wake up and realize that they were a like as a nation, they were they had to be more conscious of the world around them. I don't know, and I, I don't think that you could sort of discuss that kind of awareness raising around 9/11. I don't know. Well, if you would go back to 1963 and we had the internet and CNN, things you know it would have been a little bit different, don't you think? Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that's and that's actually one of the clear, you know, delineations in the book is what is what it life was like in the '60s without the constant barrage of cell phones, internet, twenty-four um, hour news cycle, or you know, hourly news cycle. Uh, it's it was it was very very fun to read for that. Uh, no, Paul, uh, Jim, and Jim as well. Um, the the antagonist we have a you know our, our hero who travels back in time and you know meets his girl and has to save the world, but the the antagonist in this book is it's not a something specific it's not you know Darth Vader it's right. not you know the Nazis it's this pervasive and this is what I really enjoyed about the book was there's this pervasiveness that time was his enemy or fate I think yes. Would you say that, Paul? Fate, uh, absolutely. fate yes. was his enemy, and it was pervasive. I mean, it was, you could never escape it. Um, it was all-encompassing. It knew everything. This was one of the most sincere and coolest villains I've ever read in a book. Yeah, fighting time itself. <laughs> or fate somehow. Fate or, itself, or, yes. And it, it's not, it never descended into uh, sort of, you know, well, you know, God wanted it to be this way, and, you know, th- th- there's some deity directing anything. There was just this... 
this order that somehow had to be enacted, this fate. And uh, and if if this character fought against it, it just it was nasty. <laughs> it just made his life miserable. <laughs> so yeah, as far as villains go, you never got to see a face. You never got to see a name. You know, there's no no guy no guy hiding in the alley. You know, smoking a cigarette, waiting for you to uh, to get out of your car. This was just the 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 fabric of space and time itself was against you, <laughs> against our protagonist. Absolutely. Chris, uh, did you know that we are now uh, not only live, but we're also in a chat room? Uh, I, I've, I've heard rumors about this. And, yeah, uh, if, if you just right. uh, go into bookguys.ca slash chat, you will uh, be able to jump in there. I, I've uh, difficulty walking and chewing gum at the same time, so I'm going <laughs> to stay out of the chat room. Understood, understood. Me too. That's why I, I usually just join in the chat room after the show. So The fact that you produce this, uh, Paul, while we all talk uh, just is, is amazing enough to me alone. <laughs> good times, my friend. Good times. So, uh, enjoyable read, uh, and, and you're saying just uh, not not your cup of tea. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't give that impression. I, I just I have not read any King. This is the first King I was exposed to. I w- would never have expected uh, the book to fly unless it had come from an author sort of who'd reached his stature before, prior to this. And then just the story, I just really enjoyed. I enjoyed you know being with the character in the '60s. And uh, I loved the, 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 the sense of overbearing threat through the whole book that he created with this, with this antagonist that was sort of like fate itself. I thought that was a lot of fun to read. It made it for a very compelling read. Now, now a, K- a King book to me is kind of like, uh, it's that chocolate bar. It's that chocolate fudge sundae that you just want to sit down and, and go through an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, like a simple story usually. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to survive on it. Like you want to get your vitamins and minerals with all the other wonderful books we read. But, uh, you know, sometimes spending uh, 10 or 15 hours with uh, Mr. King is uh, quite enjoyable. My chocolate bar books um, up to this point, I'm a big uh, Elmore Leonard fan. Uh, those are, you know, 250 pages tops. Right. Um, the, the dialogue in those books, they're, they're very, very heavy dialogue driven. Uh, it was very much the inspiration for, you know, Quentin Tarantino-style di- dialogue that he, you know, invented in film in the, in the late 90s, I guess. But uh, that's my chocolate bar tar- type stuff. Jim and Jim, what do you guys read for, for absolute fun and kicks? Hmm. Steve Jobs' book. <laughs> for fun and kicks, you read Steve Jobs' biography. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that fascinates me. I, I think for Sir Jimmy, uh, for fun and <laughs> kicks, he likes carving books up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like to read you know a smidgen of each page as I'm crumpling and then toss them into my my burn pile. <laughs> I'm the evil book guy. <laughs> I, I don't really have anything that I read just for light fluff. I don't have I don't have time to uh, I don't have time to waste time on. You're not a you're not a fluffer then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> Uh, this dynamic, I'm going to have to keep a bucket of water around here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's, uh, Mr. Chris, uh, maybe if you, if you wanted to dip back into that chocolate box again, I'm still going to recommend the, 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 the short stories he did as Richard Bachman, uh, like the one that the stand is based on, uh, which is actually, uh, the one that the body is, is based on, uh, stand by me. Yep. Right. Uh, the Bachman books, uh, I believe it's available as a paperback and the, the all the stories are like hundred pages long Excellent. And, and you got like seven or eight Hollywood movies in the one book. <laughs> wow. 
Including, well, including, including things like The Running Man, which is yes. one of the Bachman stories. <laughs> the Running Man was actually a good story, and they ruined it. They, they put it into like a, a, a you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the movie was fun, but. <laughs> it was fun, but uh, it all took place in an arena, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, where, where in, the, in the original story, he was actually running through the United States, and everyone yeah. could win a prize by killing him. <laughs> so it was a little darker, you know, in the story. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I, 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 my boy's all into the Hunger Games. And ah, yes. I, I've told him about Running Man, and he really wants to see that now because it's out and the Hunger Games isn't yet. Yeah, Christmas, I noticed, uh, you know, a lot of parents who... Uh, who's, who Huge. Know, Huge uh, books. Encourage your children to, to, to read. We're giving away like the you know the trilogies and what you want to read this here <laughs> books. Give them the books. Well, I, I, I got uh, a stack of adults I know who are you know and, and oh absolutely engrossed in the, in these Hunger Games books. We got to have uh, one of our number probably step up and uh, wade into maybe the first one and give us a report. Uh, well, one of us might have to. Or we can. I'm hear hiding behind listeners. the microphone. <laughs> maybe we could draw sticks. Yeah. Trust if I can us. get my wife in front of the microphone, she's she blasted through all the books really quick. I hear she's a pretty good uh, ping pong table assembler as well. Oh goodness sakes! I don't know what I'd do without <laughs> her. She should be a technical writer. Uh, Miss uh, Sir Jimmy, you you have a podcast as well that you want to talk about? We were talking about before the show that uh, comes out of Las Vegas, I believe. Yeah, it's called Five Hundy by Midnight. As in, you go to Vegas and you're up five hundred bucks before the clock strikes midnight. Five Hundy by Midnight, Las Vegas podcast. Uh, Tim and Michelle Dressen. Uh, it was one of the first podcasts I ever downloaded when the video iPod came out back in like in two thousand five. Wow, and been around for a long time. Oh, it was a long time. It was. I was getting ready to get on the plane to go to Vegas, and I'm I'm just trying to pack as much. Uh, content onto my brand new iPod so I can look cool on the airplane because I got it the day that it came out. It it actually showed up at my door and I was going to Vegas that night. Boom, I loaded it all up and it just so happens they were going to be in Vegas at the same time. And We met at the Apple store and been listening to them ever since. They talk about everything in Las Vegas. You know, where to stay, where not to stay, what's a crappy hotel, what's uh, where to go get good food, cheap drinks, where to go if you want to see uh, hookers hanging out at the bar, what, <laughs> what poker players don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. There's any number of things you can learn. It's, it's, it's interesting, especially when they do a drinking show like they just did this weekend. What do you mean by that? Oh, well, they, it's a, you know, they're a married couple, and they live in Minnesota, of all places. They're covered in snow half the time, and uh, they're sitting in the house with their two dogs just getting drunk and talking about Vegas. Good times. Good times. What's you a good, can hear the, uh, what's, what's a good tip for Vegas, from Vegas for our listeners right now? Got anything on the top of your head? Uh, Planet Hollywood Buffet. Yeah. And um, cheap drinks. Uh, gosh, it's going to have to come to me, the place that they're always going. Um, but get a Sinatra smash. It's a, <laughs> that's a that's a drink at the that you can get at the Win and Encore properties. That'd be a great online handle too. Almost so as good as man. almost as good as Jesus Chrysler. That was a solid one. <laughs> Who's usually in the chat room? There yeah, he is. Five hundred by midnight dot com. You want to check them out? Nice. And have you guys been up five hundred at, at Vegas ever? Oh yes. 
I haven't. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've been up maybe, you know, two and a half bills, but that's it. Uh, you know what? I was up once about 700 at Rama. I found this one machine. I just read a thing about, you know, always go to the machines that are, you know, very publicly visible because they're the ones that pay out more. So I sit at this like video blackjack machine by the bathrooms. There's a bunch of people around. I'm up 700 bucks. I have three cups full of like coin and everyone wanted to go for buffet. I'm like, okay, I'll pay, but can we go in a bit? Cause this thing keeps giving me money. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 let's go now. You can always come back to the machine. I'm like, all right. Nah. As soon as I had one butt cheek off the, the, the table, this, this Chinese guy had his butt cheek. We dropped my, off the ceiling. <laughs> we actually had like butt contact. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> like, that and then like a the fun sad way thing. To share is, a, so so we go for this buffet, right? We come back and and there's there's this guy sitting there with three other cups, and I know that represents about seven hundred bucks, and I'm like, oh man, uh, good times, good times. Uh, Scott McKenzie. Uh, submitted us a, a podcast that he really enjoys. And uh, I, I did take a look through it this week and I've downloaded a bunch of episodes. Um, it's called... You mean or- uh, Scott McKenzie, the author of One Day and Gitmo Nation? That's the one, yes. Uh, Sir Scott McKenzie, I should say. Um, it's called Orson Welles on the Air. And it's all the old Orson Welles episodes uh, in podcast format. Um, included on that is one that I really recommend for everyone. Like It should be listened to by everyone is the war of the worlds by the mercury theater that we talked about, uh, many weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, if you, if you go to Orson Welles on the air, that is episode 52 and it's there for you for free on iTunes. They got quite a bit of stuff there and I'm going to play a short clip here from, uh, from this podcast. This is Orson Welles on the air featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. This is Orson Welles on the air. Thanks for joining me again today for an episode I wanted to get out earlier, but wasn't able to, but we're going to hear it. It's the 70th anniversary of the War of the Worlds broadcast, as done by the Mercury Theater on the air and Orson Welles. This has to be the most popular episode of old-time radio ever, and even people who don't listen to old-time radio know about it, and the chaos it created. So without further ado, here's War of the Worlds from the Mercury Theater on the Air. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it right there because we've heard the uh, War of the Worlds here on the podcast before. Um, but yeah, really cool. There's a lot of uh, gems in there. Uh, even if you don't uh, normally listen to old time radio, uh, you will find some gems in this podcast. And uh, for free, you can't beat the price. Just saying. You guys uh, listen to any old time radio, Sir Jimmy or uh, Jim or Chris? Listen to or The Shadow. The Shadow. <laughs> that was there was classic. once upon a time, and Paul, we chatted about this before, where yes. a local radio station would play. Uh, radio drama late on Sunday nights. Yeah. And, and it of was, course we, we all grew up on that stuff. I loved it. And it was the contrast because uh, we always had Dr. Demento on first. Yes. 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 <laughs> so, so you laugh your head off and then some guy comes on the radio and it tries to scare the crap out of you. Scary. <laughs> uh, good. Whatever times. happened to the Cisco kid. Yeah. Pancho. <laughs> Cisco and Pancho. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, we, we had a, we have a whole bunch of those that we should put on the, uh, uh on the stream soon. We should all get together. The book guys, uh, and uh, record some intros for those. Get them up. We've been uh, slacking in that department there. Yeah, a lot of the old 
Um, radio serials are, of course, in, uh, in public domain now. You know, so you can find a lot of them online, like at archive.org, and you can listen to, you know, some of the some of the long-running, like the science fiction serials, like X minus one, and all those that had the uh, the classic authors. Some really good yes. stuff out there. There's some great stuff out there. What's really what's really fun is there's a there's a couple of them, you know, because the the recordings that they have now are you know the recordings as they went on air. Um, so I was just listening to uh, just this past week. It wasn't X minus one. It was I can't remember which show it was. It was on NBC radio, like from fifty to fifty one, and right in the middle of the show, it breaks in with a uh, um, a Dapper Dan a, a news announcement. <laughs> That was uh, North Korea declaring war on South Korea. You know, the oh, start of wow. the Korean War. You know, right there in the middle of the. Uh, wow. So you know, you, you get a little of those gems in there too. Every once in a while, when you uh, yeah, when you listen the, to the those breaking old shows. news. But I, I find that most of them. I mean, you were uh, that was lucky for you to find that breaking news in that one. But no, mostly you hear. Tut, tut, nothing but butternut bread. I got it in there, Jimmy. Yes, you did. <laughs> you can hear all the old nice. uh, commercials. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. Uh, and the, some of the stuff they used to actually allow uh, people to advertise, which is kind of interesting. You know, mir- miracle uh, products that uh, didn't really work, that kind of thing. Radioactive toothpaste for that s- shiny smile. For that shiny smile, baby. Glow-in-the-dark smile. <laughs> Remember the glow-in-the-dark stuff that they used to sell, or the, you know, the x-ray glasses in the old comic books? Mm-hmm. None of that worked either. No. <laughs> or they'd send you the, the what was the what was the little people under the sea and it was just like brine shrimp eggs? S- sea monkeys. Right. <laughs> I thought they were just like expanding foam. Sea, sea monkeys are the best, man. No, they're, 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 who cool. doesn't want a little a little bowl of brine shrimp in their living room? Yeah, no, mine, mine actually had pitchforks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spent the extra 50 cents and got the uh, the deluxe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of them were expanding foam, uh, Chris, but uh, a lot of them were just brine shrimp, shrimp eggs. They'd give you like five brine shrimp eggs and then you, oh my god there's a thing it's <laughs> yeah that's what that's what sea monkeys were they were the brine shrimp good times oh well, you know what you could eventually eat them with some sauce just saying uh gentlemen we're about halfway so i'm gonna uh take a quick break uh we'll be right back folks uh and when we come back we'll have uh i'll be playing uh, an interview that i did this week with uh, mark coker the ceo of uh, smashwords and uh, then we'll go on and uh, talk about some book news big news this week Well, hey there, Phil. What do you say, Frankie? Say, Phil, you like movies, don't you? What are you, some kind of wise guy? What kind of palooka don't like movies? Well, have I got a podcast for you. Yeah? Yeah. It's called Seventh Row Center, see? It's hosted by a guy named Alex the Movie Guy. He talks about movies, the movie-going experience, and like that, see? Say, this character ain't one of them critics, is he? Oh, no. He's a regular Joe, like me and you. He just loves movies, that's all. Well, what do you know? Say, where can I find 7th Row Center? Oh, that's easy. Just go to 7thRowCenter.com. Well, what do you know? Say, Frank. Yeah, Phil? What's a podcast? Oh! 7thRowCenter.com Hi, this is Orson Scott Card. I'm the author of Ender's Game and The Shadow Books. And you are listening to Paul the Book Guy. Book guys. 
Mark Coker is the CEO of Smashwords.com, which is an online bookstore. And uh, according to all the authors we've spoken to here at the, the Book Guys show, uh, a great way to self-publish your books. Hello, Mark. Hi, Paul. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Very well. Now, now Mark, for all our listeners, uh, the constant readers and uh, the constant writers who haven't used Smashwords yet, uh, can you describe for us uh, the way Smashwords.com works? Well, Smashwords um, is an ebook publishing and distribution platform. That's a fancy way to say ebook distributor. So we make it really easy for any author anywhere in the world to publish and distribute an ebook. Excellent. And, and what does it cost for authors to publish their works on Smashwords? It's free. Yeah, the, the way the service works is you, you visit Smashwords, you sign up for a free account. Um, and then you download uh, the Smashwords style guide, and that tells you how to prepare your manuscript before you upload it. And so you'll upload your book as a Microsoft Word file. Okay. And then you'll also attach um, an ebook cover image, and you'll find all the instructions of how to do that in the style guide, which is also free to download. And then you upload your book. We'll ask you some questions. You know, what is the title, the book description, the categorization information, all that metadata information. Okay. And you click upload, and within about three minutes, the book completes conversion. We convert convert it into nine different ebook formats, and then you appear live on the Smashwords homepage, available for sale. And then the next step is if the book meets the mechanical requirements, as we outline in the style guide, we'll distribute the book to several ebook retailers, including the Apple iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, Kobo. Sony and the Diesel ebook store. Okay, so as long as the author um, gets the formatting right according to your guide, then uh, they'll they'll be eligible uh, to to go in those stores as well. Yes, definitely. Okay, now uh, what should an author do to prepare their uh, manuscript before uh, showing up at uh, Smashwords.com to submit it? Is it all a formatting well, the, the thing? thing and... Well, probably the first thing they should do is show up at, at, at Smashwords and download the style guide. Um, the the style guide explains how um, ebooks are formatted differently than print books and so it's a good just it's, it's worth reading just for the educational benefit uh, before you start preparing the formatting um, but that it'll just it'll walk you through all of the steps all you need is a word processor if you don't have Microsoft Word you can use open office and the style guide will walk you through step by step how to create your front matter how to um, format your book with with Paragraph styling, so we support styling, how to create you know, a table of contents. Formatting my, my own work, which I'm not going to mention on the show, but uh, formatting uh, multimedia and uh, just the, the, the body styles, it, it is kind of difficult, so I am going to take a look at that uh, the style guide. It's got to be a lot of help. Well, you mentioned multimedia. Um, I should talk about you know what we work well with and what we don't work well with. So Smashwords works best with books that are either straight narrative Okay. So just words, or narrative plus images. So those could that could be narrative nonfiction. You know, a lot of children's books would work, but the books that you create with Smashwords will be reflowable text. What we don't work well with um, are straight photo books, fixed format books. Okay. Uh, and and multimedia, we don't support multimedia. But I mean, the, the majority of books uh, right now, anyways. I mean, ninety percent of them are straight text. So, yeah. 
Uh, now, 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 do you uh, at all handle uh, audiobooks at all, or any plans for the future if you don't? Um, we don't support audiobooks. For folks who are interested in audiobooks, we'll point them in the direction of patiobooks. Um, so you're probably familiar with them. And we don't have any immediate plans for an audiobook solution, although it's something that um, I do consider from time to time when I see that the market is monopolized by a single company. Yeah, yes, uh, and, pretty much. <laughs> yes. And they're a wonderful company, but anytime you've got a company that has a monopolistic control over a market, the, the content creators for that market um, typically don't get the benefit. Of right, and, it, and it's an opportunity for someone else to, to dip their toe in the water. Right. Because, I mean, uh, I think the reason most people choose Audible is because um, uh, you can buy CDs off the shelf for $60 or pay $15 to them and get a book. Right. So, yeah, right. there, there's an opportunity there for someone to to break into the market, absolutely. Now, is there, is there any, any functionality coming to Smashwords this year we should know about? Anything new on the horizon that you can, uh, at least anything that you could uh, tell us on the show? Well, there's a, there's a ton of stuff coming. You know, as I mentioned, we're, we're, our, our business focus is distribution. So our, we're focused on getting our authors' books as widely distributed as possible because that's where the sales are, that's where the readers are. But we also operate our own small online retail operation. Yes. And we've been doing that since day one. When, we, when I first launched the business in 2008, we weren't a distributor yet. And so we, ha- we, um, we had to create a retailing operation so our authors could sell their books. So we still have that operation in place. Uh, the, the sales through our retail site um, are doing very well and continue to grow every year. But um, the fact of the matter is we've neglected the development of it now for almost four years. Right. So if you look at it, um, user interface is, is pretty outdated. Um, there's a lot of work. Um, you know, our authors are very vocal with us and they <laughs> tell us where we need to fix things and we do listen. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for us to improve the discovery features on the site. So we've started doing that. Um, we've changed the algorithm for the bestseller list. In fact, we just did that yesterday, a couple days ago so that um, the the bestseller list isn't so subject to gaming. Right. So now our bestseller list is based on actual dollars coming in for a book. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so none of the freebies are in, in, uh, in the mix there. Yeah. I mean, we had a situation where authors were using coupons to game the bestseller list. Ah. You know, that's just bad. It's not, it's not fair to readers who are looking for a trusted bestseller list. And that was, you know, a problem that we needed to fix. And so Absolutely. We fixed it. And so you'll see you'll see a number of features like that from the consumer perspective at Smashwords, so that it becomes just a more well-rounded retail site. But you know, even with those improvements, it won't change our focus uh, on distribution. So we're very focused on um, working with all of our retail partners, with Apple, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Sony, Diesel, to um, create tighter integrations between their retail stores and our distribution infrastructure. Right so that we can get our books to them faster and more accurately. And so that, that's going to be a, a really big focus for us. Now, now you seem to be doing that really well, because all the authors I speak to, they, they always point me in the direction of Smashwords as far as the easiest place to, uh, like a one-stop shop where you can submit your book, format it right, submit it, and it goes out to like 10 stores. Whereas, uh, you know, the, the alternative would be submitting individually to these 10 places, and, and Smashwords right. seems to do it very well. Yeah, you know, I think 
I think we do a a good job, you know, especially considering that we're distributing over 70,000 books to all of these retailers, and every single one of these retailers has different requirements for how you upload a book to them and how the book is laid out and presented to them and the metadata and all that. So I think we do a pretty good job of that considering our volume. But, you know, like I said, we do listen to our authors, and um, they're always pointing out ways that we can improve. And so we listen to that. And so, you know, one of the ways that we can improve is get the distribution out there even faster. You know, in the old in the olden days of like three years ago, <laughs> right. you know, it could take you know it could take a lifetime to write a book, and then a you know years to find an agent, and then another year or two for the publisher to release the book out onto the market. Today, with self-publishing, you can upload your book today, and it's published today. And you know what we brought to the game with distribution is helping to open up the 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 major online retailers mm-hmm. to self-published books. Today, you know, a book comes to Smashwords, we approve it for distribution, it appears on the retailer's shelf anywhere from, you know, two days to a week later, which is pretty quick if you contrast it with how things were a couple of years ago, but it's still not quick enough. The holy grail that, that we would like to work toward is where you, you know, you upload a book today to Smashwords, we approve it for distribution today, and then we distribute it out today to the retailers, and it starts appearing on the retailer's shelves. So that's what we're always aiming for. It'll take us quite a while to get there, though. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of authors keep telling me, uh, I mean, the various people keep telling me that, you know, it takes a while to get the, the whole style guide thing right the first time, but then their second book, Publishing on Smashwords, takes them five minutes, <laughs> you know, and then right. they just sit and wait for it to show up on all the stores. So you're obviously doing a, a good thing there. Well, one of the things that the style guide does is it teaches you how to use Microsoft Word, You know, Microsoft Word is a a big, hairy beast. And, you know, I was using the program for 20 years before I started Smashwords, and I had no clue how to use it. And and most authors are the same way. So once you you learn how to use it, and once you learn how to format your book properly, that's really, really fast. Uh, Mark, uh, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. We've been talking to Mark Coker, the CEO of Smashwords. And... uh, uh, Mark, I hope you come back again sometime and talk about some of the new stuff coming on to Smashwords. Thanks, Paul. I'd be happy to. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time, Mark. You're welcome. And that was uh, Mark Coker. Nice guy. And Very nice. Thank you for doing that, uh, that uh, interview, Paul. Yeah, and we were just talking, uh, happened to be talking uh, before the show about uh, Smashwords, and we had the, the listener, and I I've misplaced the, the person's Twitter handle, uh, that was having some issues with uh, Smashwords, and, and and Jim, you were saying that you've uh, you've published successfully through there. I, I have, um, as Mark kind of alluded to, you know, you you need to know how to use Microsoft Word to actually get it uh, I, I formatted the, to their specifications. I believe the quote was, "Microsoft Word is a big hairy beast," and, and I'm, I'm I'm putting that out there as show title right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is certainly true. Um, you know, just to kind of fill in. You know, my own <laughs> sort of response is that you know, Smashwords is certainly a very good service, and I, you know, not taking anything away from them uh, at all. Uh, you know, but the the thing that you know authors need to be aware of if they want to go uh, the Smashwords route, um, I would suggest uh, two additional points. Uh, the first is that, as with any self-publishing, uh, you still have to do the marketing. Right. So, yes. You know, it's, so if anyone is, so just because it's on Smashwords doesn't mean it's right. going to sell. Just because you know, your your book has been copy put on the iTunes with, store, yeah. You know, 
10, 15,000 other, you know, published authors. So you still have to do all the marketing work. You know, it's all on your back. They're not going to help you with anything um, as far as that goes. You still got to go out there and crush it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, 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 now, the other piece uh, is that, you know, they, they use Microsoft Word and you have to upload a Microsoft Word according to their uh, style guide. That doesn't mean that just because you can do something in Microsoft Word, you can do it in your book. Right. And, you know, if you just want to get your work out there, then it's a good way to go. Um, you know, but if you want to take that extra step and, you know, really have a, you know, a professional, polished looking, formatted ebook, which is still true even in the ebook world. I mean, if you, you know, you pull up an ebook and you can tell, you know, pretty quickly whether it's been, you know, formatted by someone who knows what they're doing or formatted by, uh, you know, some kid in a back room somewhere. Right, right. Um, they, they're what they allow in their style guide and what you what they allow in their formatting is limiting. You know, you're not going to be able to do all of the the fancy formatting that you might. Right, and, want. and I kind of assume that's because they're they're pumping out to ten different stores. So if one store doesn't allow you to have a, you know a, a dancing word or or whatever style uh, that, that is not allowed in the other stores, then they I guess they just kind of wipe it out for everyone that kind of thing so it's more of a simplistic formatting is that what you're saying right right i i, I think and it's i think it's partly that and it's partly you know just because you know the the translation for you know how you know 10 different ways to get one thing to show up in microsoft word a particular way you know the the one well, one example that jumps up into my mind and i can't remember what the formal term for this is but when you're you know reading and in in a like a paper book and at the beginning of the chapter like the first word of the first paragraph is some big fancy you know picture right right you know you can't do that it's there's just no way yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's not allowed at all i, I was uh, having the same issues uh putting together a book uh, that had multimedia in it and uh, and it just ends up uh no matter what i do in uh uh, whether it's Word or Pages or an ebook writer, it always ends up looking like a dog breakfast when you, you know, get it out the other end. <laughs> yes. So, but as long as you know, if you're just looking for, you know, you just want to throw stuff out there, you know, you want to make it easy on yourself, it, it's a, it's a decent way to go. And while we're on this topic, book news, big news in formatting this week. <laughs> uh, the nice people at Apple have just released iBooks author. And, um, it, it, they kind of pushed it towards <laughs> textbooks. I've been playing with it for the last two days. And you know what? I got to say, if, uh, uh, it is geared to, uh, the, the iBook store only, like we we're just saying, you can't format for everyone. And I, they, they I think they've finally just said, well, screw it. We're not going <laughs> to, you know, format for everyone. Here's our app. And it's for multimedia on the iPad only. And, well, uh, that not only can you not format for anyone else, you can't even export and use it for anyone else. Uh, I've seen. Well, there is an export in PDF, and it is an EPUB. Um, it is an what? EPUB format that has not yet been, uh, I guess, ratified by whoever the EPUB gods are. Well, you're you're actually you're you're absolutely correct. But if you if you read the um, the service agreement. Ah uh, yes, yes. The publishing. If you actually read it. It specifically says that any content that you create with it, you can only sell 
on the on iBook the, store. On on the iBook store. Absolutely, and but that that is that does not cover the the images, the video, or the actual text in your book. That only covers the the formatting that has been done in in uh, in the application. And uh, Sir Sir Jimmy, are you still with us? Partially. Partially. Now you've taken a look at uh, some of that little uh, bit I've been working on the weekend uh, as far as the multimedia. Now it looks. It formats itself pretty nice, I got to say, compared to what I was doing before with just, uh, you know, pages or Word. It does. The, uh, the, you know, you've got audio clips. You've got video clips. They're very unintrusive. They just sit off to the side. You tap onto them. They, they really, they just sort of come to the forefront, and then, boom, you disappear. You're right back to the spot you were before. It's, it's, it's very ingenious and simple and Elegant, very, uh, and I, I have steepish. to say, Jimmy, it's uh, you would be surprised at how little time I spend on that. So even if you have written a, a book and you've, you know, it's a textbook and it's got you know multimedia in it, and you're not happy with the way it looks in the EPUB format, uh, I'd I'd give this a try if if you if you have OS X uh, on your computer, which would uh, I guess would have to be a Mac. I love the way they work that, eh? Everything's got to be Apple. <laughs> yeah, that's how they're starting out anyway. That's how they're starting out, anyways. Yeah, they'll eventually release these things to multiple places kind of like iTunes took five years to get to everyone else but uh, it does work really uh, it's easy it's very intuitive uh, I'll probably be done uh, formatting this book by the end of the week just doing like an hour a day uh, I do think that the textbook market is going to uh, this is going to put a wave in the textbook market anyways that's amazing what you've done in two days how, how much you've well I, I'll, I call that about three hours total in the two days so I'm saying, like, the, if the textbook makers, you know, who have a, st you know, hundreds of people on staff, if they just dedicate one guy eight hours a day for three days, he'll, you know, be able to convert all the text and pictures in a, in a, in a, in a you know, decent sized textbook. I would think. Well, sure, run it through an OCR, you know, program. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other book news. Oh, there's not much other book news, really. Um, we were talking about Crush, the Crush It book the other week, and uh, I just found a, a viral video online. If you, if you search for Type Books, they're a local small store here in Toronto, and they are crushing it. Uh, what they did was they had to sort out their, their bookstore anyways, so they made this like uh, stop-motion animated video. <laughs> it's kind of cool. So all the, they got all the books dancing around their shelves and uh, you know dancing together and flying around the room. Uh, very well done. They've got, I think, over a million uh views at this point uh, generating a lot of buzz for their uh, small bookstore uh, type books is the name of the uh, the store and apparently they're getting a lot of calls uh, people um, especially children in, in uh, Toronto or in Ontario that have seen the video just want to go down and see this magical bookstore so there, there are people doing things like that that are uh, really cool and uh, keeping the small bookstore alive mostly by crushing it and what do we have here? We, uh, oh, you know what? There's a big sale on, Sir Jimmy. Oh my goodness, short position ribs. The Think Geek item of the week from thinkgeek.com. Okay, uh, we've talked about the Noyatron before on, on the podcast, but just to recap for everybody, uh, it's a little tiny device. It's got a little battery on it. Uh, it's got a magnet. You attach it to anything you want. You can tape it onto something or you can use the magnet to attach it magnetically. And it, at random intervals, it makes strange noises. So it is definitely designed to annoy someone. You know, you could put it inside your friend's PC case and uh, watch him try to figure out what's wrong with his computer for weeks on end. 
Uh, and there's another, uh, another, a, a little annoying device there that they sell as well, prank device called the Microsonic Grenade. That's a little tiny uh, black thing, and uh, you, you set uh, the time on it, the timer, and you just kind of throw it or leave it in someone's bag or whatever, and uh, after the predetermined time, it makes a really, really, really loud noise, and it just won't shut itself off. Don't use it on grandma. But uh, a lot of these little devices that ThinkGeek uh, has, and you can go to bookguys.ca slash ThinkGeek and uh, find links to them and uh, all the different deals that are on. They're now uh, buy one, get one free. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that they have the, the, the little TV device uh, on sale. It's a little, they sell also a little keychain that allows you to turn off other people's televisions. It's a lot of fun, especially when you see people that have been watching too much television. You can just drive by their living room and shut their TVs off for them. So you can get a, uh, a, an Annoyatron and a sound grenade, uh, two for one? Two for one. Two for one. And that is this week's. The Think Geek Item of the Week from ThinkGeek.com And uh, I was going to talk about this whole Paula Dean thing, and, uh, shaking the book world here, her and her diabetes, but uh, I'm going to see if we can get the Mississippi Queen on next week. Uh, to chime in, uh, you know, with her inside, uh, you know, Southern food information. Uh, let me uh, go on to books on film and television. Jim Phillips, you've been watching some uh, some movies this week. I have. I've been hitting the theater hard this weekend. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're eating ice cream from the box. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know that's what happens when all the women leave, and it's just the boys left. You know? Having a party weekend here. That's right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we saw um, two very good movies I wanted to recommend to everyone. Um, the first, of course, is The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, even if you're not a fan of the graphic novels, you will enjoy this movie. Uh, it is straight It is straight pulp adventure from the word go. Um, fun movie, beautifully realized. Uh, it's a very good adaptation of... You know, not any one particular Tintin story, although it, it kind of draws from a couple of the early, uh, the early books. Um, but it, you know, puts together a, a very good, um, a very good story, a very good adventure. Uh, did you watch that one in uh, 3D? No, I did not. <laughs> are you are you like myself, not much of a fan of 3D? Uh, yes, I I refuse <laughs> to pay the uh, the surcharge. Um, the 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 only the only knock that I would have on Tintin is that um, they do go uh, they do go overboard uh, in about in the the final climactic scene. Uh, I think Spielberg kind of gave in to his uh, his big Hollywood <coughs> um, background there. Uh, right, right. But other than that, it's a it's a very it's a very fun, uh, very intelligent little uh, pulp adventure. So definitely recommend that. Uh, you know, I, I'm about a halfway through watching Hugo. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask how. <laughs> but um, someone uh, lent me a little copy of uh, Hugo, and uh, I I'm, I stopped halfway, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go to the theater and watch this in 3D, and. Um, you know, uh, it is, uh, it's one of those movies that you look at it and it's just the visuals are like, you know, 50% of the story and, um, uh, just that doesn't come through if you're, if it's not in 3d and I hate to say that cause 3d gives me headaches, just putting those glasses on and whatnot, but there, there are stories that do lend themselves to it. 
I'm just saying. I'm going to ask the same thing, uh, um, Jim. Tin and Hugo. Well, we missed all that, sir, Jimmy. <laughs> Try again, sir. Yep. <laughs> this week's episode of Book Guys is brought to you by Microsoft Skype. Oh, Tin Tin versus Hugo, which is better? I have not seen Hugo. All right. Well, I've seen Hugo, and I'm trying to get dragged in to see Tin Tin. So you're saying it'd be a, it wouldn't be too bad. It's got to be better than that damn Sherlock Holmes movie I got drugged into. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely go see the Adventures of Tin Tin. You'll you'll like it. It's fun. Did, did uh, any of you? Uh, sorry to interrupt you, all of you guys, but did, did uh, any of you catch the uh, the season finale of Sherlock on BBC? Not yet. Uh, uh, have you experienced any of the episodes? Uh, I think it was a very well done uh, reimagining, modernization of the Sherlock character, and they did the whole uh, falling off the roof thing in a very unique manner. Uh, I'm not going to discuss it to, to spoil it, but uh, check it out if you haven't. All right. I'm just saying. Any other any other movies, Jim? Uh, since you you know you've, the women are away, anything yep. else? Yeah, I also uh, not with my son this time. I I also saw the uh, the new Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Ah, yes. Uh, which is of course getting all the uh, the award buzz for a very good reason. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant movie, start to finish. Just an amazing, um, just an amazing movie. Which, it's it's been a long it's been a while since I've uh, since I've read the novel. I'm gonna have to go back and reread it again now. But um, it it is it is well worth the attention it's getting. Uh, it's a it's worth the hype. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes. The they they took a very a very smart approach to it uh, because most of the movie is not told in dialogue. Uh, in fact, there's shockingly little dialogue in the right. movie. <laughs> Um, you know, so it it forces you as the viewer. You know, it, if you're just kind of halfway paying attention to the movie, it is not going to make the slightest bit of sense to you. Right. You know, you really have to watch what's going on, and remember what's going on. And you know, this little piece, and this little piece, and this little scene of you know the, the way this person looks at that person, and you know this person doing this at this one particular time, and you know the the story is really told in those little moments, and it's. Just a just brilliant because it really you know puts the the viewer you know in that mode of you know being you know the intelligence officer the detective the investigator you know where you know most of you know that sort of um, activity is told not in you know people explaining well yes i went to here and then did this and you know because this other person said that you know that's not the way the real world works right and the movie does a very wonderful job a very excellent job of really bringing that to the surface and uh uh, it's like say it 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 takes effort to watch it but it's uh you're definitely rewarded in doing so standout performance uh jim for many of the actors all of them. <laughs> if you know, if the you know, there's there's been talk I know of you know adding a, an Oscar for ensemble, and this is <laughs> that would this, be is <laughs> this is definitely worthwhile. This would definitely uh, be worth it because it it there there was not a weak performance in the bunch. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim. Speaking of an ensemble performance, completely not book related, but uh, I have posted it on the site anyways, just because Star Wars Uncut. 
is released now. <laughs> now this was the, uh, there was a project that a, a Star Wars fan asked uh, other fans to perform any way they wanted, whether it be animation or with the kids or with action figures, 15 seconds of Star Wars, of the original episode four. Um, it's phenomenal. <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen Star Wars, if you're a Star Wars fan, check it out. It's up at Paul the Bo- uh, sorry, bad habit, bookguys.ca right now. <laughs> you can go search for Star Wars Uncut. Uh, we have the link to the high def YouTube video. And uh, apparently, the, you know, this is uh, all done with the blessing of uh, George Lucas. And I'm about 10 minutes into that one. And I've already laughed out loud twice. <laughs> Just something wrong about C-3PO wearing like a pink thong. I'm just saying there's a lot of creative people and, and literally uh, every 15 seconds, someone else, another team of people has created that portion of the movie, but it still flows. It's unbelievable. Now, uh, Sir Jimmy. <clears throat> yes. Um, I hate to do this to you, but uh, we have some listener feedback and we just don't have a jingle. <laughs> we, uh, we, need, we need your oratory. There you go. <laughs> Coming in on the tweeters. Uh, one from uh, my friend Tr- Terrence, uh, who says he's uh, Maya is keeping him very busy doing snowflakes while Kasha watches those awards from Greg's basement. Of course, referring back to last week, and Cyrus Webb from uh, Conversations Live Radio. Uh, he does a live show uh, many times a day. I don't know how he can do it. I mean, once a week is enough. But uh, he'd love to have us on the show uh, soon, and uh, I'm in talks with him to arrange for it. I need another tweeter there. Hang on. Well, here went. Need a drink here. <laughs> Abby Jones says, "Check out her blog, and why? Why don't we? Uh, it's worldsbeforethedoor.wordpress.com, and she'd love to have us all read it. So there you go, folks. Check that out. Uh, I've also got Richard Goodship he says, "Thanks for the follow." And they're going to be shooting the movie version of his book in Toronto late next year. So, uh, congrats, Richard. That's uh, always a good thing. Uh, not only what book when is that. Uh, I don't know yet. We're going to talk to Richard about it. Probably should have a chat with Richard about that. We probably should. I'm going to make a note right here. Yeah, actually, I've been in contact with him, and uh, we will talk to him about his uh, new book, which we'll be filming here in Toronto. Maybe we can go down and take a peek. Um, you guys should be extras. <laughs> yeah, we should just sneak on set, be extras anyways. Sir Jimmy could fly up and uh, do his tweeter noise in the background. I'm going to, I'm going to need M&Ms with all the brown ones removed. <laughs> uh, and we are, we're going to leave it there for the uh, listener feedback and, uh, we'll read some more out and on the, on the show next week. So gentlemen, what's coming up in your, uh, on your book mountain, since we are live from book mountain here. Um, I'm, uh, just starting the noon God by, uh, Donna Carrick. I'll bring that one to the table next week. And I'm listening to a patio book. Um, I'm just about to start it actually. It's, uh, I'm not going to remember the name right now. It's Jack goes to work or something like that. But, uh, so far it seems pretty cool. I'm only about a minute in. <laughs> I got stuck on iBooks authoring. Hey, this is Sir Jimmy. I'm, I'm reading my son, the mouse and the motorcycle. One of my favorite books, uh, when I was a kid, the mouse and the motorcycle by Beverly Cleary. It's about a, a little boy who, uh, is in a hotel and uh, he has a little some toy cars and a, a mouse comes out and t- falls in love with his motorcycle and anyway when he makes the noise uh, of the motorcycle with his mouth the motorcycle runs and he 
zooms all over the hotel and adventures <laughs> ensue. This sounds awesome. That sounds it, awesome. I want to read that for next week. <laughs> I like to hear it, it, review next week. It's it's a fantastic book. I've probably read it five or six times growing up, and I think I, I read it when he was a little baby to him. But now he wants to he wants to hear it again. So nice. And uh, Mr. Chris Book Guy, how you doing? I got to uh, I got to find something for next week. I got a, a clear schedule at the moment now that I've got Stephen King finally. Uh, back on the shelf uh cover to cover so this is uh this is tough with you being in london because every so often i've got some uh some stuff sitting here for you and uh uh maybe we should arrange to have a drink one of these days and i'll uh, i'll bring you some uh some hardcovers next time i'm in town good times good times and mr phillips what's on your nightstand or in your kindle um well i on my ipod i'm listening uh to the starter um the third book in Scott Sigler's GFL series, uh, and I am reading uh, Maelstrom, the second book in uh, Peter Watts' Rifters series. Uh, I enjoy it. Does this, uh, Sigler read that one himself as well? Yes, he does. As well, he should read all his books. He's just fun He does to read to. all his books. <laughs> oh, excellent. And, and he does a good job of it, too. I he does. I love. I especially love his, even his warning that. at the beginning. Lots and lots of violence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very entertaining. Uh, Patiobooks.com. We should talk more about that one of these days and go through uh, some of the authors and stuff that's there, because it is absolutely free, folks. Uh, search iTunes podcast directory. I can't iterate it you know, enough. Search for Podio Books, P-O-D-I-O Books, and uh, you'll find a bunch of books. Uh, you know, uh, free audiobooks hiding in the podcast section of iTunes. They're hiding there, and they are great. Um, well, so I love the uh, uh, J.C. Hutchins series, the the Seventh Son series. Yes, phenomenal. Yep. I mean, and and you know, the price is right. And if you enjoy the book, you know, you know, buy the hardcover. You know, go to his website, and I think he sells signed copies as well. If you really enjoyed it. Yeah, and also there's there's a bunch of books up there that I'd certainly recommend. Uh, you know, authors like Scott Sigler, uh, Nathan Lowell, uh, Mer Lafferty, um, Seth Harwood. You know, the, the 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 one you know I kind of always have to do. I kind of always have to uh, give you know give our constant listeners the warning. However, um, there's a lot you might want want to watch out for too. There's a lot of uh, Shall we say questionable quality yes. <laughs> books there? Yes, but uh, very charitable of you there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can. Uh, there's also. Uh, I'm actually listening to the the one I just started is uh, Jack wakes up. I said it's Jack goes to work. Close enough. He does go yes. to work in the first minute. So yeah, uh, Seth Harwood's uh, first <laughs> Jack Palms novel. That's a great yes. one. So the Jack Palms series. I believe there's uh, four or five of them in there. Uh, there's three Jack Palms novels. Yeah, so he's uh, basically Jack Palms is like, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, yeah, to be continued next week. <laughs> that music is annoying. The new automated music. Time to go. Time to go, folks. I am Paul Alves, known the book guy. See you next week. Chris the book guy. Be checking in with you all next week, too. Jim the book guy. Take care, everyone. And Sir Jimmy, wishing everyone a great book week. That's right, folks. Same book time, same book channel next week. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. 
Yeah.